as the entire globe looks to recover and reshape from a global pandemic, from the ill effects and disruptions of COVID-19. Here in Sri Lanka too, we are looking at a recovery from uh, COVID-19, the effects and disruptions. How do we move towards uh, a green, resilient and more prosperous recovery towards um, advancing Sri Lanka's development goals. Um, I have with me here tonight at Hyde Park, uh, a gentleman who is uh, very well uh, read and who will be able to tell us all this and much more. The visiting vice president for South Asia region of the World Bank, Mr. Hartwig Schaefer. A very warm welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to be back in Sri Lanka. Thank you. It's, it's not too uh, long that you visited Sri Lanka, but uh, very busy schedule. You've been meeting high-level officials and having a lot of engagements in terms of how we can advance human capital, the human capital agenda here in Sri Lanka. Uh, how have your meetings been so far? Well, so far, the meetings have been very good. And uh, it is reassuring to see that Sri Lanka is recovering from COVID-19. We expect this year three, three and a half percent growth, which will make up for the losses of the last year. So that's good news for Sri Lanka, good news for the people of Sri Lanka. Uh, what kind of um, message and response do you see from the Sri Lankan side so far with the engagements that you've had? Well, I think, first of all, we have, uh, we have a long-standing partnership, but over the last 18 months, the World Bank was able to provide support to help Sri Lanka cope with the COVID crisis, support to the tune of about close to $500 million. That started out with healthcare support, uh, then social safety nets for those affected by COVID-19, and also um, for a number of, uh, of, of imports for vaccines. And I think in all these areas, Sri Lanka has done very well with regard to handling the COVID-19 crisis. Um, you're managing the World Bank's engagements in South Asia to ex end extreme poverty and boost shared prosperity. You lead relations uh, with Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Bhutan, India, the Maldives, Nepal, Pakistan and Sri Lanka. You're pretty much covering this region, Hart. And uh, we're trying to understand here um, how, how you evaluate Sri Lanka's advancement, especially when we talk about recovery in the post-COVID scenario. Um, when you look at other regional kind of players? Well, th this is the key issue uh, for my talks here, for my visit, to work with the government and see how the World Bank can help with the green, resilient and inclusive recovery. And human capital is absolutely critical. And this is where Sri Lanka is leading within the region with regard to the human capital index, uh, which means what is the potential that the child born today here in Sri Lanka will have in terms of fully utilizing its future potential when that child is 18 years old. And in that regard, Sri Lanka ranks very well, but I think we can do more and that's what the discussion is about. Mm -hmm. uh, when we say uh, human capital index, it sounds very technical for us, uh, although well, the World Bank covers all this. So I'd like to understand the broader sense of uh, the Human Capital Index. And uh, Sri Lanka becomes uh, the 82nd country to, uh, to join the project, the Human Cap Capital Project. Does this mean we're, we've joined uh, far too late? Or uh, is this the right time? Is it the opportune time for Sri Lanka? If you can shed some light uh, over, over this subject. It's never too late, but let me try to explain what the Human Capital Index is. It's an index that measures the percentage of what, as I said, a child, a boy or a girl born today in Sri Lanka will realize 
when that boy or girl is 18 years old. It determines the future income earning capacity for that child. It's measured by many ways, but what feeds into that is the early childhood survival, nutrition, getting an education, a quality education, and then survival at old age. And I think here, Sri Lanka realizes about 60%. Let me put that in comparison. For the region as a whole, uh, a child realizes 48%. So Sri Lanka is doing a lot better across the, against the other countries in the region. Globally, it's about 56%. Again, Sri Lanka is above average. Sri Lanka is more closer to some of the, the countries uh, that are really leading. Singapore, 88%. Germany, 75%. The, the U.S., 70%. So pretty good, by and large. And I think this is something that we have to recognize. Sri Lanka has done very well with regard to its human capital development. But also what COVID-19 has shown is that there are pressure points. And I think that, that is now important to address those pressure points as we go forward. Uh, when you say Sri Lanka has done above average compared to the region and uh, on par with uh, other leading players globally, uh, countries globally, uh, what are these pressure points that you also touch on? Well, I think some of those are very unique to Sri Lanka. Um, age demographics play a role. Sri Lanka, in 15 years, one out of four people will be over 60 years old. So we need to prepare now in order to serve a population that has those demographics. That means we need to think about what is elder care going to look like in Sri Lanka in 10, 15 years. What is the pension system going to look like? Do we have the skills to actually care for the elder generation? And, and so on. Health system will, will have demands uh, that come with an eldering population. Um, Non-communicable diseases, diabetes, coronary uh, diseases, heart diseases. So all this is something that we can set the stage now so that we will get there in a decade that we are prepared to do that. Uh, the elderly population that we expect to, um, to be a, a staggering 25% of the population in 15 years. Uh, what are the gaps that you see in moving forward to mitigate any uh, challenges here? Well, I think right now we, we need to start thinking what does an elder care system look like where that, that makes sure that there are social services, make sure that we have a generation of caregivers that has the right skills. So those are some of the gaps. Not, that's not unique to, to Sri Lanka. I think it's for any country in this situation. And this is something where we can learn from other countries around the globe. But equally important is to look at how do we create jobs that meet the skills of, of the next generation of Sri Lankans. Because what we see here is a um, very good education system, universal enrollment. The quality of education is good. Um, but can be better, so we need to focus on the quality of education, but also on the quality of skills that will be demanded in 10, 15 years. And we've, we think about digital technology. There will be digital services. So we need to make sure that we educate the young children today to, get to, to, to leave school and graduate with the right skill set that private sector employers will be looking for. So that when they get out of school and, and finish their education, they actually get jobs. 
uh, you look at education, you talk about um, health here. What other indicators are, uh, do you set as parameters for any country in terms of identifying human capital development? Another important indicator is nutrition. Now, by and large, again, Sri Lanka does well, but there are pockets of malnutrition in Sri Lanka. If you look at the estate sector, one out of three children is malnourished. And if a young child with the age of one to five does not have the adequate uh, nutrition, then their learning is going to be handicapped and they will suffer for the rest of their life. So it is important that we address these pockets of malnutrition in some areas of, uh, of Sri Lanka. And I think this is something where we are working with the government to f target uh, these areas. Another one is social safety nets. We have seen that um, during COVID-19, a lot of people have lost their jobs, particularly in the informal sector, particularly those who are more vulnerable um, with lower levels of education, but also women have been overproportionately affected. So we need to think of a social safety net system, the institutional infrastructure to make sure that if there is another pandemic, another shock, another crisis, that those who are normally falling through the cracks have a safety net and are covered with targeted payments uh, to help them cope with the impact of, of such a crisis. What kind of collaboration uh, do we foresee from uh, the World Bank side with the government of Sri Lanka in trying to meet and mitigate uh, these gaps and challenges that you're talking about? Well, I think as the World Bank, we are bringing um, many elements uh, to this partnership. It is not only the resources, which of course we would be providing for particular projects and programs, but we also have global experience. We have worked in these areas in Latin America, in Eastern Europe, uh, East Asia, across the globe. And we can bring experts to help Sri Lanka design state-of-the-art systems. And of course, helping with setting up the institutional infrastructure, making sure that the capacity is there to, to serve the population of, of Sri Lanka. Um, I'd like to touch a little about women who are hard hit as a result of this pandemic and uh, the disruptions caused by uh, the very, uh, from, from economic disruptions to healthcare situations. But how do you think we can uh, look at advancing healthcare and employment opportunities for women, um, especially when we talk about the post-COVID era? Well, I think if, if you look at, at an economy where only 32% of the women are participating in the labor force, and that compares to 75% of the men, then you know there is a huge gap and also a huge opportunity. If we can help those women to enter the labor force, that will help the economy, but it will help every single household in terms of livelihoods and income, prosperity. What can we do? Um, one of the things that has worked very well in other countries is that at the workplace you provide childcare. So you can take your youngsters with you into, uh, to work and they are being taken care of. And, and then after the, at the end of the day, you, you take them with you and you go back home. This is, has been a game changer in many countries to make sure that young women, when they get married and have children, that they do not drop out of the labor force. The other thing is, Many people live in extended families, so you have to take care of your parents, of the elder generation. Now, if there is a service of elder care, then you can afford to 
be at work and you know somebody is taking care of your parents. So those, those are things that, that we can do. Uh, the other thing is look at jobs that you can actually do from home. In COVID-19, we have um, learned that most everything we can do out of our own home. Now, this, this gives rise to opportunities where women with a professional degree and so on can stay at home but work through digital technologies, through the internet, through a virtual workplace and earn income and contribute to the overall growth of the economy. So those are some ideas that, that have worked in other countries and I would love to see that here in, in Sri Lanka. And we're also talking about children and education here. Uh, you're stressing a lot about education, educating children. Uh, but, but during this COVID, uh, the pandemic situation, we've seen uh, in the new normal that we talk about children being forced to study at home um, due to, uh, especially in Sri Lanka, we see quarantine curfew that had, uh, continued as a requirement, as a necessity to um, curb the pandemic situation. But uh, we've also seen challenges in many rural homes, underprivileged homes, where access to digital education is very low or limited or uh, not, not available. Um, how do you think governments, or Sri Lanka especially, can overcome a challenge as this? The challenges are manifold. One is to, to have a curriculum that is adapted to teaching at home uh, or in a hybrid environment. So we need to, we need to make sure that the, the curriculum we have is actually tailor-made for a hybrid um, uh, education. And the other one is, that's what I have heard very often, is that you have three children but you only have one device. So we need to make sure that we have affordable devices for all three or four children that are in the family so that they can learn, and it's not like one is waiting for the other to finish, but they, are, they can work, learn together. Uh, so those are some of the things that, uh, that we have uh, tried out in other countries. It works well. But what is most important is that what is being taught to the children is giving them the skills that they can apply when they are looking for, for jobs, whether it is vocational training, technical training, academic training, I think we need to make sure that we, we target the jobs that will give the employment uh, later on. And that, that is something I think that's a challenge that we ne also need to internalize that the future jobs will be different than the jobs we have today, which means we have to start laying the foundation now in terms of the curriculum so that the kids actually that will find jobs and they will not graduate and not, not be employable. I think the World Bank, even post-conflict Sri Lanka, when you focused on uh, Sri Lanka uh, post the conflict era here in Sri Lanka, touched on the requirement to, um, uh, to educate young people, to um, empower them with skills and uh, technical education. And here, as you s very rightly mentioned, we talk about a post-pandemic um, situation, and there is a dual situation that Sri Lanka needs to combat. It's challenging, but at the same time, you say Sri Lanka has made advancements. Um, how do you look at combining 
combining these challenges after a three-decade war and uh, the existing anomalies as well as now the new normal? How do we approach this? I think we have to, we have to start thinking of ways where you, you are employed somewhere else and not where you live. The old paradigm was that you live where you work. With the digital technology nowadays, you can live in Colombo and work in a team in Chicago. You can live in, in Sri Lanka, but are employed by an employer in Sweden. And that is something, that is the new services that you can actually then, that are mobility, you, you are no longer tied to a particular location. But it also may mean that you are working for several employers. If you have the right skills, you are not going to have to worry about getting that employment. Uh, we're talking about economic growth here in Sri Lanka as well, uh, linking the post-conflict era to the post-pandemic as we look forward. The budget has been formulating. Uh, the finance minister, whom you have had engagements with uh, during your visit so far, we're talking about improving and uh, including more uh, developments for inclusive growth. And, and the World Bank talks about a resilient recovery, inclusive recovery, a greener recovery. What, what are we saying here? Well, I think we, we have uh, a couple of examples of what a more inclusive recovery is like. We signed a, a $500 million operation for rural connectivity. That has a huge impact for Sri Lanka's rural population. It will actually benefit as much as 16 million people in Sri Lanka because it will upgrade the rural road system, uh, make it safer, uh, make it better, and it will provide also the opportunities for small-scale contracts in the rural areas. So it creates employment, but what's important is it actually links the rural areas with the urban areas. It links the farmers with markets. And I fully identify with that because I'm from a small village in Germany. And I know what it means when you have rural roads that take the kids to school, uh, where you can have a quick visit with a healthcare facility, with a doctor, but you also are very close to the market. And it's all weather roads. Uh, you are not handicapped if the, if the rains block the road. That is inclusive and resilient uh, development. And it's green too because you're faster, you're better, the connectivity is better. So those are things where um, I very much look forward to working with the government of Sri Lanka, making sure that we are connecting everybody in the nation and, and everybody benefits equally and shares in the benefits of, of economic development. Uh, you touched on this, uh, the funding that the World Bank extends with your visit here. How, how will that be implemented? Are there agencies, government agencies that are identified? And uh, how will the implementation process happen? In, in this case, we, we are working through the government ministry. We're, the World Bank is supporting the government's program. And the government leads in this program in the implementation. But we are providing resources. And we are providing the technical assistance and the know-how, and, and we are working on very closely. We have a fantastic team here in, in Colombo uh, that is just uh, eager to, to, to continue supporting uh, Sri Lanka. They did a fantastic job during the COVID crisis, um, helping with projects and healthcare, safety nets, and so on. And they are now looking to, to pick up and, and help Sri Lanka come out of this crisis and, and get to growth rates that, that are possible. And I would venture to say 
uh, growth rates of 5-6% per year are easily possible for a country like Sri Lanka. Another matter that Sri Lanka is grappling with, has been grappling with, if I may say for years, is the question of brain drain. Educated young people leaving overseas for greener pastures, as they say. And also we're talking about unemployed graduates who have no jobs, who are unemployed. But two, two different uh, scenarios, but at the same time in the same country. How do you look at addressing this uh, dynamic? Well, I think um, this, is, this, this is a symptom of uh, not having enough jobs at home. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to leave Sri Lanka, but some people feel they are forced to if they want to get employment. So what we have to do is we have to bring the jobs here. And that is opening up the economy uh, to the private sector to play a stronger role, um, to make sure the private sector is providing attractive jobs that is possible by having investment in, in some of the new technologies. Um, I'm sure that uh, the young generation that is looking for jobs is very technique, uh, technology savvy. And so we can think of, of areas that are new uh, to Sri Lanka or that can be expanded in Sri Lanka in terms of creating employment. And then those who are currently leaving will come back. Um, and we very often see that in, in other countries that um, young graduates leave for a few years, um, they enhance their skills level, and then when they see the opportunities to come back home, they actually come back home. And I think that is, that is something that's an opportunity for Sri Lanka. Uh, you've also been talking, um, moving back to the Human Capital Index, uh, you said Sri Lanka has made significant progress in this area. Uh, but at the same time, there are um, areas, developments that other countries can share with Sri Lanka that we can gain insight from and use for development. Uh, what can you share with us here that, that are specific to Sri Lanka? I, I think one, one thing is... Um, to look at, at ways where you have a unique identifier for a social safety net system. Um, there are examples in Latin America, there are examples even with here, within the region where you're using digital technology that helps very quickly identify those who should be benefiting from social safety nets. It ensures that nobody is double dipping, it is very transparent, it is automatic, you get the money in your bank account. So those are some of the state-of-the-art systems that I would like to see in, in, in this country. Mm -hmm. Financial inclusiveness is also something that we've been talking about. Uh, you, you probably have uh, much to add to that. Well, I think this, this is something that we actually spoke with, uh, with the minister about today, that um, support to small and micro enterprises is so critical. But very often we, f we find that they are not linked to a PayPal or uh, using credit cards. So with FinTech, we can, we can actually help get them to the next stage of, uh, of, of small micro-enterprise development. And we see that uh, that works very well. The, those uh, entrepreneurs adapt very quickly. And uh, so if there's something that we can do in this area, I think it would be very interesting and, and it would be very beneficial to interlinking the economy. Mm -hmm. the, the infrastructure in terms of laying the, for the groundwork for this, these platforms, uh, uh, what kind of support has, has the government uh, requested uh, from the... Well, we have actually, we have a team here right now and uh, after the talk we had today, so we'll, we can take that forward. And, it, you know, it's, it's always the idea, but also bringing the government here together with practitioners from other countries. Mm -hmm. I find that is, that is very persuasive and and if you talk to somebody who has done it in a country, 
um, they can actually help you and say, look, try to avoid this, do this way, this is, the, this is a good idea. And if, you, if we, we help people to network globally, and uh, that is easily possible today with uh, video conferencing facilities and so on, we don't need to travel. So this, this is one of the things that the World Bank can do and, and bring to this partnership. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in a more broader sense, uh, we're talking about uh, a, a more uh, prosperous nation, a satisfied uh, community, uh, a community that is happy, a community, of, uh, a nation that looks at a broader economic growth. Um, how important is human capital development? Uh, I, I think uh, we was also trying to understand because we talk about the human capital index and human capital development. Uh, this agenda and Sri Lanka moving aggressively ahead uh, in achieving these parameters to to ultimately reach that objective of uh, uh, prosperous uh, economy, prosperous growth, and economic growth. Well, one of the things, one of the facts is that if you, if you invest in a child's education today, this is the best return on an investment you can get. You won't get it in the next two or three years. This is something for the medium term. So investing today in human capital to get Sri Lanka from a 60% human capital index to a 75, 80, that, is, that should be our ambition. And it is possible because, as I said, we are starting from a very good uh, foundation and uh, with, it, with, with actually comparatively little investment in those sectors. So if we manage to um, increase the investment as share of GDP in education, in health, in social safety nets, I think I can see Sri Lanka jumping right up there uh, into the 70 range. And that makes a big difference for an individual child. If, if you know that when, when the child is 18 years old, it realizes 60% of its full potential, or it is 75 or 80. That's, that's a huge difference in terms of household lifetime income. And it is possible, um, but, it, but we have to do it and, and lay the foundation today. We cannot wait. We cannot say we'll do it in five years. We have to start today. Thank you very much, Hart, uh, for your time here in Colombo. I know you have a very busy schedule, but thank you for finding the time to um, speak at Hyde Park on Other Therina. No, thank you very much for having me, and I'm really excited to be here, and, and, and the World Bank is excited to work with the government for the people of Sri Lanka. So thanks for having me. Thank you, and I hope you get to travel a little in Sri Lanka. I know the country is not uh, as open as we expect it to be uh, with tourism uh, kick-starting, but I really hope you get the chance to travel in Sri Lanka. Thank you. Um, we had with us Mr. Hartwig Schaefer, World Bank's Vice President for South Asia region, joining us uh, here in Colombo during his visit to the island. Thank you for watching at Hyde Park on Other Than a 24.